You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an ex-evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. I am Janice Legata, and this is a meeting of the Bad Book Club. We are reading The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, biting into it one chapter at a time. I'll read the opening paragraph and give a few thoughts, and then join one of the members of the Bad Book Club for a discussion. In the end, I'll read the closing paragraph and give some closing thoughts, all with the intention of leaving you free to think your own thoughts about the chapter, the book, and all things really. So, without further ado, let's get into... Chapter 6, Hiding from Reality. They are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3.7 I'm often asked, when should I leave a church or ministry team? How bad does it have to get? I respond, who sent you to the church you presently attend? The majority of the time they answer, God did. If God sent you, I reply, do not leave until God releases you. If the Lord is silent, he is often saying, don't change a thing. Do not leave. Stay where I have placed you. When God does instruct you to leave, you will go out with peace, no matter what the condition of the ministry. All right, so here in chapter six, I, much like John Bevere, am running out of ways to say the same thing. I stand, I stand in awe of how awful this book is. Ultimately, this chapter is called Hiding from Reality, but we're almost, almost halfway through the book, so I think it should be called Stopping for Gas, because this is pure, uncut, medical-grade gaslighting. The whole premise is right there in that sentence, you know, that when God instructs you to leave, you will go out in peace no matter the condition of the ministry. So this chapter, spoiler alert, is saying that when it comes to leaving, it does not matter, never matters what is happening in a ministry, all that matters is how you feel. And until you feel peace, you cannot leave. I mean, you can, but not with God's blessing. Medical grade bullshit. Just awful. Anyway, before we started recording, we had already started getting into things. So I'm going to give some context to keep some of what we're talking about from being complete Greek to you. So one of JB's big ideas in this chapter is the different kinds of sons. He uses two Greek words, technon, T-E-K-N-O-N, and huias, H-U-I-O-S. And he says, A good definition for the word technon is one who is a son by mere fact of birth. You know what? We are six chapters in, and John Bevere is giving us a definition of something. And so, of course, it is questionable. Be suspicious. Peep that word choice. A good definition. Not the definition. A good one. So, surprise, surprise, it's not the definition. A technon is simply a child, descendant, inhabitant. Could it be a son? Yes. Is it always a son? No. And the other word, huias, he says, Many times is used in the New Testament to describe one who can be identified as a son because he displays the character or characteristics of his parents. Girl, I guess, but not really. If anything, the plainest definition of huias actually sounds more like John's definition for technon because it's a son by birth or adoption, anyone sharing the same nature as their father. So it's kind of what John says, but the two words are not different enough to make the distinction that John has made up. And I think John knows that because he throws huias out as a word that is used many times 
and then he provides zero scripture references that use it. So keep your valuables close as we wander down another hallway in the John Bevere House of Word Horrors with book club member number six. I'm Pamela. I am uh, I'm a non-Irish Irish singer. By night, by day, I'm a house manager for a theater in the up west, Upper West Side here in New York. So when did you first become aware of this book? I feel like I'm making up the story, but this is partially true, and I think it involves this book. <laughs> so once upon a time, I was the editor-in-chief of a Christian publication in the Philippines, and our president, slash whoever would have been the editor-in-chief if I wasn't, she wanted us to read some books, and she didn't assign this to me. Or maybe she did, and I just didn't read it. it it's, it's one of the, this is part of her list, you know, because at the time, people have been leaving, mm-hmm. so... This was part of that curriculum, as it were. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. Mm-hmm. A curriculum for the leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you but... avoided it then, and then I pushed it on you, a chapter of it now. Thank How you. you. Feel... <laughs> How did you feel about having to read a chapter of it after all this time? Okay, so having to read any of these books is pretty daunting, you know, but I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just, let's just go in. So, and I just think it's interesting to like, it's a form of self-evaluation. So I'm doing this for purely selfish purposes and I think I'm okay. So what chapter did you have and what was it about? Chapter six, it is entitled Hiding from Reality. And I'm not sure what it's about. I guess, I guess the reality that, that they're talking about is, I don't know, something to do with with discerning what you discerning what you're leaving and what the situation is but the chapter doesn't explain what that reality is yeah yeah because yeah. even i don't i was just reading through my notes again and i guess i didn't i didn't even pay attention to what the chapter was mm-hmm. so i was like oh let me see yeah as you were saying it i was like can i would i have named this chapter that like could i have been like oh yeah that's what this chapter is about and no no, like that no. really tells me nothing about this, nothing of a chapter. Like no, it, there's nothing about reality. There's nothing about truth in it. There's nothing about, you know, I mean, even even the stories that, that, that he talks about, you know, like the church employee, like what's that church employee's reality? Right. Right? Doesn't even yeah. talk about that. Very, very interesting, John. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Into yeah. It. Initial, initial thoughts. Oh, initial thoughts. Um, I love how, and I'm pretty sure this happens all throughout the book. Um, I love how this, well, I'm still not over the Greek thing. Cause it like, <laughs> give us, give us the Greek. Take us. Okay. So it's technon and huios. They essentially mean the same thing, except technon implies that it's biological birth. It comes from the base. Huios for some reason, I don't know. I think I think evangelical Christianity has just hijacked the Greek meanings of words because that's the first thing that came up. So I don't know how the Greek people feel about that. So, but then when it comes to huios, it feels like something about the characteristics of someone associated with whatever it is they're associated with. And then at the end of it, he says, therefore. Technons are babies and huyasas are adults. And I'm like, what? Right. And then 
which which makes me kind of want to question so like aren't we all children of god anyway regardless like why why are there levels to this why are there tears right and won't i always be if i am born somebody's son like mm-hmm. i am my mother's technon because that's the first one right yeah yes it's just it's just technical i'm just your technical child oh yeah won't i always be yeah even as i grow up yes won't i always be still you know, like it's not like where it gets to a point and where we're now or maybe it is where i just i only loved you before because i had to like and now uh-huh. i love you because you are like me right i guess oh my gosh I, yeah i loved you because you were like me that's scary like that's, that's scary yeah oh wow which even even in his story, like he talks about, he talks about his first son, right? And he says how, well, when he was first born, we only knew he was my son because he was born in my wife's body. Like, there he is. Like, yeah. nobody could tell him apart from any other baby. He's just a regular baby. But then as yeah. he gets older, he starts to look like me and act like me. And now, now he is my Prius, right? Yeah. And yeah. then he, he tells this story about how as his son... You know, his character grew by facing difficult situations. And when he started school, he met up with some some bullies. He puts it in quotation marks, so I don't even know if he's taking this seriously. But he talked about his son being bullied. And he heard, I heard some of the, uh, the things these rough kids were doing and saying to my son. And I wanted to go and deal with it, but I knew that would be wrong. And then I, I mean, John Bevere, he, he bumps me out this whole book. I'm like, he's such a sad man. But on, so on one side of the margins, all right, well, what is a father for if you're not going to go help your kid and then on the other side when i was rereading this morning if this if this kid of yours is a little reflection of you what would you have wanted your father to do john like what mm-hmm. what kind of father did you have and what kind of father are you because this this is bumming me out my dude yeah which is the same which is the same thing that happened to the church employee at the end like the the uh, this person came from a different church and then i was was in his church didn't address the thing that happened and and at the end he says healing has to happen well guess what you're part of the process my guy who's supposed to do that right and you're so eager to be the father and be put in the father position here and you're literally doing nothing you're just standing around yeah watching things happen yeah which is oddly like how he views God, because th- like like these weird quotes that he got from his friends, like um, <laughs> where was it? Like many times God will allow people to run from situations He desires them to face if they are set on running from them in their hearts. I'm like, first of all, bad fatherhood. And second of all, that that is I I don't think I don't think that's God. <laughs> I don't think no no. And if it is, which is my thing with like his whole book like i think his view of god is so dark his view of humanity is so dark and it may be that god is like that and then we are free to be like yeah no no thank you mm-hmm. i don't no i don't need that no i don't want it and so we'll remain over here yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm fine i'm fine i'm fine i'm good <laughs> yeah I also like how these how these church employee stories and th- there's another story about a woman who switched churches and had the new pastor over for dinner. I like how there's such it, it's gossip. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not a lot of people will be reading this book, so people know who these people are, right? 
And that sucks. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be I mean, I'll have to do something immensely horrible for me to do that, but but just just get the story right. <laughs> right. And there are other there are other stories in this book. Well all these stories, I'm like, well if you're whatever you're saying, say it with your chest, John. If you're gonna put these stories in here, use the real people. Like man up and be like, Hey, I wanna use this story. I wanna tell this story. Mm-hmm. Let me just can I tell your story? Or hey, I put your story in the book. Yeah. Which kind of which which kind of says a lot about Christian publication. The whole Christian like like are there no fact checkers? Are there no yeah fact checkers and people who verify these things and make sure that there's no lawsuits that are gonna happen because of these potentially slanderous and libelous things that he's talking about? Right. These stories he's making, or is this just a pure work of fiction, John? Mm-hmm. Which I think it is. Yeah. Because your chapter, pretty sure it has no footnotes. There are no footnotes, meaning to say there are footnotes elsewhere. There, are. the first time there is a footnote is in chapter seven, I believe, if I remember correctly, and then the book in total has, I think, fourteen footnotes, which is about one per chapter. But there's one chapter, maybe it's, I think I want to say it's like the last three chapters where they're like, yeah, because you said the last two chapters were 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 thicker, were yeah, were like hmm. chock full of. So many footnotes. Wow. All of a sudden. But yeah, because there's not there's not a footnote in this chapter. Not even for his his Greek, right? His not even to say, hey, this is where this is where I got this and go look it up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Mm-hmm. No, Take no my con- word yeah. for it. Yeah. Very bad. Just believe me. Very yes, exactly. Well, I'm noticing right now, even even with that Greek technon wheels. He gives, we find technon used in Romans 8, 15, 16. Yes. The other Greek word translated son in the New Testament is weos. Many times it is used in the New Testament, but he doesn't even say where. Right. Many times. (laughs) Many people are saying. Look it up. Do your research. (laughs) Find your own footnotes. I like that. Find your own footnotes. Oh my god. I love that I'm having so much fun doing this. <laughs> also, the the divorce analogy is just so horrible. What did you say about divorce? Like, um, he has a statistic, which makes it sound legit. <laughs> Again, no footnotes, so Again, we got it. No footnotes. Yeah, um, he says... Oh wait, no, there is a footnote. There is? Where? Because that statistics say... So page 62... Is that where we are? Yeah. Um, yeah, statistics say 60 to 65% of divorced people end up getting oh, divorced right. again after remarrying. Yes. All right, so let me let me go pull up this stupid book and see where he got that from. <laughs> but carry on. So yeah, I hate that that's, like, it's such a horrible analogy. It says the manner in which a person leaves their first marriage determines the path into their second marriage. Really? Really? Yeah. You think it's going to go downhill from there? Right. Like, and the, yeah, because before that, he says the way you leave, the way you leave a church or relationship is the way you will enter into your next church or relationship. And I said, this is such bullshit because if that was true, nothing would ever change. Right. Like once you did something once, yeah, that would be it. Yeah. You would always be that way. Yeah. Learn a lesson, you know, <laughs> or like it wouldn't matter. It'd be like, oh no, I left my last church like this. I left my last relationship like this. This is just how it is now. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. I love how it says here, as if as if it were as true as there's a nose on my face. It says here, the unforgiveness they hold against their first mate hinders their future for their second one. In blaming the other, they are blind to their own role or faulty characteristics. To make matters worse, now they have the added fear of being hurt. So dramatic. So yeah. dramatic. Where is this? Have you have you found this source? Yes. Okay. It is curious. Um, not. <laughs> oh no. No, there is a thing here, but like, what what would you expect it? Focus on the family. <laughs> <laughs> No, but basically, the yeah. Rockford Institute Center of the Family, Center on the Family in America. So just a place, not okay. a study, not a paper, not a, just a place. Okay, where he got this statistic? The Rockford wow. Institute with a statement. Center, yeah, yeah, Center on the Family in America. That's that's the footnote. I have a sentence that I that I kind of want to parse with you. It's it's at the bottom of sixty two. It says, I was troubled because the well-being of this man was more important to me than what he could do for me as an employee. Like, <laughs> what are you really concerned about here? Yeah. Isn't so that like, her- isn't that like the shining, like, s- like invisible slogan of Hillsong? <laughs> right? Ah, oh, now I have to care about their well-being. Oh. Right. Oh, Dang. No one can have, no one can hold this position because they're tired. Oh, right. It's like something has gone wrong that I care. I care more about this man as a person than about what he can do for me. Yeah. What's wrong with me? I know. How has this happened? Oh, I'm human. Yeah. yeah disturbing. Yeah. That, so, that so disturbing. So for context, he has brought this man this man who worked for another ministry. Let's mm-hmm. let's pretend this is Hillsong. There's a man who was going to another church. Yeah. And then he was hurt by that church. But he even says, like, time, time had passed. So it's been some time. And he asked this man to come join his ministry team, join, join his church. Yeah. He believed he was in the process of overcoming his hurt. He calls the former pastor, leader of this man, mm-hmm. and says, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I shared my plans to bring him on staff. That pastor encouraged him. Yeah, fine. Take him on. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. He believed, you know, they could they could heal each other. But when the man joined our ministry team, joined our church, there were problems almost immediately. I'd address one issue only to see temporary relief, but he couldn't get beyond his former relationship. It kept coming back to haunt him. He even accused me of doing the same things his previous leader had. And so as... As a Hillsong person, I'm like this. I see this so many times. Yes, people come from another church. This looks great. Get plugged in immediately. You got to yeah. start serving. So great. then you start serving. And then anything you come into, right, you're going to be doing what you did before. Well, this is how they did it over here. I'm just going to assume that's how it works here until somebody tells me differently. Yeah. So you're going to be operating the same way. And then Hillsong's going to come with their rules. No, no, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. And then you're going to be running into the same kinds of people because yeah. evangelicalism is sick. So uh-huh. you're going to be under the same kind of people you're under over there. John Bevere is the same kind of pastor, minister as the other guy was because they're friends. Uh-huh. So it's like going from, I don't know, Hillsong to 
church home to Vu to Elevation to all these people. You're in the same circle. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. The same kind of thing's going to happen to you, and then you are going to get blamed. No, it's you. Everywhere you go. Yeah. There you are. Yes. So it's you. Yes, which is what this is book. Which is what this book is about. It's like. It feels like a form of gatekeeping, especially the last sentence of the book. It says here, pride cannot travel this path, but only those who desire peace at the risk of rejection. It is a trail that leads to humiliation and abasement. It is the road that, it is the road that leads to life. I'm like... In my note, I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just put, I just put like, like a series of question marks next to it. I'm like, What? At the risk of rejection, which means it's sick to begin with, because that's what you're going to have to deal with everywhere. Yeah. And we all, we all like live with that anyway, right? Like, especially as artists, that's just a thing. It's not even a risk of rejection. Like it's a, that's the reality. I am going to be rejected more than anything else. And so I'm just, uh, yeah, I just have to put myself out there and, and keep trying. It's like rejection is not the thing. That scares me. Yeah. But this humiliation and abasement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the road that leads to life? What? Yeah. What? Whatever happened to Psalm 23? Whatever happened to that? Right. You know, whatever happened to that? Or if the worst, if that is what happened to Jesus, if the worst thing mm-hmm. that can happen happened to Jesus, if he took that on for us. Yes. Well, why do I still have to take it on? Yes. What did they do? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? Why? For what? It was just a practice round? This is how it's going to go, I, guys. And I have to deal with it now? In church? Because that's what this is about. This isn't, mm-hmm. you're not talking to me about my workplace, John. You are talking to me about your church. When you come into my church, you better be ready to risk rejection and get your humiliation and abasement to get to life oh my gosh yeah it's like because right before that he tells the story of once a dog has been scalded with boiling water he will even fear cold water how many today are afraid of the cold water that will bring refreshing yes i wrote wrote at the top said these people are assholes because if a dog has been scalded with boiling water why are you throwing water at it at all exactly why are you activating a dog's drama like there's no reason well, it's, you know, I the things you have to do. You have to feed a dog, you have to walk your dog, and you have to throw water at it every day. Like, I just want to I just want to make sure that that my dog is traumatized. Right. I need him to get over this. Yes. Very specific kind of trauma. Yes. That really does not apply. Does not have to apply to daily life at all, but no, every day. Yeah. I'm going to throw water at this dude until he gets it. That I'm not throwing hot water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just don't throw nah, hot water. Yeah. There's a there's a psychological term that I came across and it, 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 before, and I'm forgetting what it is. It's to do with helplessness. I think the CIA kind of used this whenever they're interrogating someone. It's like when someone is like driven to the point of helplessness. You know, when they're interrogating someone and they're and they're compelled to say yes and confess something that they're not that's not necessarily true that's the kind of like helplessness that your brain is in when you're compelled to maybe defend hillsong or maybe even keep volunteering for it 
or that that thing in your head where like oh no they need me you know so that 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 kind of helplessness is kind of what what brings to mind with this with this weird dog analogy because that's kind of what they want you to be they want you to be constantly compelled to serve and defend it but they won't really care for you right and to get to the point where yeah they're throwing they're throwing water on you yeah mm-hmm. like, okay okay this time it was it was fine but somewhere in there it could be hot water again and then yeah you're gonna have to learn again that was just i mean most of the time we don't throw hot water at you no don't, don't question why again why we're throwing water at you at all right but most of the time yeah it's fine yeah so like maybe, maybe i'll get a meal backstage or maybe not and either way you know yeah. i'll know i'll know how to deal with that and if i do get one if I do get a little sick, it'd be great. What a day! Yeah, totally worth the ten hours. <laughs> because honestly, like the ten hours were going to happen anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've already agreed to that point where no, I was going to put this time in, and it was going to be miserable, and it was miserable. But I got mm-hmm. a snack this week, and someone gave it to me because they saw I was hungry, and whoever ga- and, and and whoever gave it to you, guess what? That won't that won't be your lead pastor. No. Right. Or if it is your lead pastors because they got it for themselves and they're like, oh, I don't even like this. I don't like yeah. this chicken. I want a turkey. No. Right. Who who wants this? You'll like this. Here you go. <laughs> this chapter. Doesn't this chapter like start with the spirit's leading? It's like, it's like you will leave at the spirit's leading, not by how bad things are. Yeah. That's so blatant, by the way. It's so blatant. It's like, wow. So things really are bad, huh? It is. But, and it's gaslighting because yes. when, God does, when God does instruct you to leave, you will go out with peace no matter what the condition of the ministry. So it's not about the ministry. It's about you. And if you can't leave in peace, and again, never defines what peace is, never says no. what that is. So you're just mm-hmm. assuming, white man, we know what your definition is. And I think, and I think you're being unclear on purpose because people are going to now go, did I feel peace Yes. when I left? Was I at peace? So I have to stay here. I'm in all kinds of turmoil. I do not like it here. And then that is the sign that, oh, I can't go yet because I'm not at peace. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. It makes you doubt your, <laughs> it makes you doubt your reality, which is amazing because this is hiding from reality chapter Hiding from six. reality. Wow. Therefore, 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 he loves the therefore. Your departure will not be based on the actions or behaviors of others, but rather on the spirits leading. Why is the spirit not concerned with the action and behaviors of others? Like, why, why is the spirit so protective of abusive people? Yeah. What spirit is this? Yeah. What spirit is this? That's a good question, too. Because uh-huh. he never... Never says that either. No. Doesn't define peace. Doesn't this doesn't define spirit. What was the other one? Doesn't define the reality. Right? Mm-mm. Misdefines sun in Greek. Both counts. <laughs> and I don't know, does anywhere in the book define like what a healthy church relationship is? No. Ah, uh, yes, because that's a, that's a term that was thrown in somewhere. I forget which page. Like, something about church relationship. I think it's right before the whole divorce Let's thing. See. Also, there's a lot of assumption about God's will, like, on page 64. 
the pastor said to me, if we are so set in our hearts not to face difficult situations, God will actually release us, even though it is not his perfect will. I mean, <laughs> and you know this, how? Right. Right. But again, his, his view of God is just dark. So right? dark. Often, often God's plan causes us to face hurts and attitudes we don't want to face. The whole rejection the humiliation the abasement all that i'm like why yeah why does god why does a good god rely on so much bad Mm -hmm. why why is this good god need bad things to happen yeah to me and how is that different from the devil yeah like what are we actually talking about here yeah Mm -hmm. and sometimes like he gets so close he gets so close and i'm like john you're right there you're right there and then you just go all the way wrong yeah when he's talking about the story, the story of Balaam, right? Balaam wanted to curse Israel because there was yeah. great rewards in it for him personally. So Balaam is going to curse the people of God. He's going to tell them things God is not saying for money. He asked God if he could do it. He asked God, can I write this book? God said, no, it's not my will for you to do that. But when, the, you know, they came with more money and more honor, John went to God again. <laughs> And it's ridiculous to think God's mind would now change because more money and more honor went it for John. But this time God said, go with him then. Yeah, John, maybe he let you write this book because there was more rewards and more money in it for you. You're out here cursing the people of God. You're out here telling us, no, you just got to take this abuse. Yeah. It is, it is what it is. And you got to stay. And yeah. you got to stay until mm-hmm. you can leave when you like it because if you don't like it here you're not going to like it when it happens in the next place and you're going to leave the same way again and that's on you that's not on us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your leaders we're great we're good we're yeah. doing exactly what god wants us to do yeah but you you better get over here let me throw this water in your face which one is it today <laughs> <laughs> Where's your faith at? Only one way to find out. <laughs> Can you guess what kind of water I'm throwing at you? Oh my God. Awful. This awful man in this awful book. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's like, it doesn't really paint a, a good picture of, of church. It doesn't. Like, I mean, like it's one huge, you know, gatekeeping mechanism. It's like, like, are you really, do you have what it takes you know what what did they say what what did they say um like they qualify the called or whatever right god doesn't like, gee thanks huyas technos this chapter reminds me of have you watched the show girls five ever no i haven't i feel like i feel like you would like it but it's, yeah yeah it's on my list yeah for sure uh girl group from the 90s they get reunited and they're trying to become pop stars again and they're you know early early 40s at this mm-hmm. point so trying to become pop stars so in one of the episodes one of them ends up judging judging this new competition that has been like created by an algorithm so it is like america's top ninja warrior singer and it's basically people like trying to sing but then also getting attacked by a ninja warrior <laughs> like so you have to sing while while, while being you're being attacked <laughs> right and so they're like judging them based on Oh, you, that first note you got out was beautiful, but you didn't protect your neck. And so, you know, you're not going to be, and I'm like, that is what this feels like. You are, you need to do all these things, Mm -hmm. but also you are going to be being attacked by us. Yes. 
and your mission is to continue anyway. Yeah. Like, you just need to get through it. Wow. It just, it just doesn't have any, I mean, like if, if there's, if there's something about church ministry or church volunteerism, it, it, it should be, you know, at least make it enticing. This, this book doesn't do it. You know, I mean, at least make it feel, I mean, the title alone, it's like, like, what are you like? I, I'm not sure what it's actually advertising, what it's actually talking about. Like, so you're saying the bait of Satan, like, like it's there and you're not doing anything about it. And the bait of Satan, again, like everything in the chapter, like it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Bait is something that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Wants to be offended, yeah. Oh my John. gosh. Yes. Nobody wants to have a bad time at their church. Like they're mm -hmm. there because they want it to be better. Yeah. Even when things are bad, they stay because no, I can fix this. I can change yeah. this. I can make this better. What comes to mind for me is like when, when God created Adam or when God created humanity, I'm not sure if it's the first or second chapter when God said, yeah, I created everything here and you must subdue it. There's no subduing in this book whatsoever. <laughs> In fact, it feels like they're not subduing it because it, it, it works to their advantage. They're playing the game. By the rules to make sure that they win. Mm -hmm. And no matter what happens to you, it's your fault. Yeah. And so if you want to you wanna leave with your no peace, you want to leave because you're upset, because you're being hurt, because you are... You'll be a spiritual abandoned. vagabond for the rest of your life. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. No, no way out, I guess, until you come back here and get my blessing. Like, it's yeah, because it's astounding. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I've heard this from more than one person when they're like so tired from church or no, from Hillsong period, um, when they want to leave and whatever. And then they're told, oh, you'll be back. Yeah. Listen, that's my testimony right here. I can attest to that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they say that, and I've heard that so many times, oh, you'll be back. You'll be back. It's almost like, you know, like a guarantee that there's a sequel to the horror movie that you were just in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where the end credits are, you know, like. Yeah, that's that's the little tag, the mid credit scene. Yeah. That's, is it going to be hot water or cold water this time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having too much fun. This is great. It's, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and he, what is this on page 64? It is impossible to establish a healthy relationship with a person who has left another relationship bitter and offended. And oh, here we go again. You are not defining bitter or offended. Yeah. And it's not, not everybody, bitter and offended do not always come together. Like sometimes we are leaving these places to find peace so that I do not become bitter. Am yeah. I offended? Yes, and also you're covering all kinds of words with offended, like hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm tired. Yes. I'm wanting something different. I'm questioning. Like there are a lot of other words rather than I'm yeah. offended and I'm yeah. leaving. And now that I'm offended, I'm also bitter. It's like no, I'm just yeah. And then the next sentence is healing must take place. But how though? How? Yeah. Even though he kept saying he had forgiven his former leader, it was not forgotten but then Forget again he didn't care much he didn't care about this employee to even find out if that's even the case right 
he was bothered by it. Like, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't get to know this dude as a person. I need him to do what I need him to do. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if it's almost as if John is like he can't fully trust this person because this person has a history. That's kind of where it's kind of where it's at because it's like oh like if that happened if if that happened there then he might do the same thing here. So right. I'm gonna keep a distance. Right. Because he spoke up over there, he asserted some agency, and left that place. And now he's going to come over here with all this free will. Oh, oh. no, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he pulls, he ties, trying to, tries to tie forgiven and forgotten together. Mm-hmm. The chapter on forgiveness is as awful as you can imagine. Oh, wow. It would be. But like forgiving, forgiving and forgetting do not, they don't go together. No. I can, is that, even a, is, that a, is that even a Bible verse? I don't think it is. No. no, it isn't, right? No. No, I think people tie it together with like, God, God will forgive you and he will... Does it even say he forgets? No, like he throws your sins as far as east from, as from west. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. Or, or he will he will remember them no more. But I'm like, that's... That's him. That's him. That's not that's, us. That's him. And also, yeah. it's not true because God does remember what you like. I don't. This. This is again. This then that gets into what we're doing with the Bible and what kind of language we're using. And this is these are poems, John. This is a yeah, poem. This is not exactly real life. And sometimes I can forgive somebody. I can have peace and leaving you where we're done. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm leaving you there. I forgive you. We have peace, and I never want to speak to you again. And I'm never going to forget what you did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I forgive you. Whatever that means. I yeah. don't I'm not thinking about you every day. I'm not Yeah. But also we don't continue as we were before. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you can't just decide and that's that's what he tries to decide later, is like forgiveness is just this blanket. It never happened and you know, everything is as it was before. And it's that's so dangerous. It is. It's like there there's no trust. No trust. No. Mm-mm. No. Because as long as I am the dog that somebody threw the hot water on, the dog is flinching because the dog is never gonna forget that. Mm-hmm. Even though the dog knows it wasn't you that did that, they still remember that sense memory is still there. They're never going yeah, to forget good. that. Doesn't mean they haven't forgiven, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But like life, life happens to us all, right? And even him, it's the trail that used leads to humiliation and abasement. Am I going to forget that? So some bad things God can use. So I need to hang on to them. I need to remember this lesson. But other bad things that you, John Bevere, doing to me, that part I need to forget. That part. Yeah. Like this is a mess. It is very murky. Very like. Even even the way the the verse in I the Bible verse in Isaiah was used was such a stretch. The whole like you will go in peace, and I read the whole chapter. Yeah. There's nothing about leaving. It's just you know going forth and just being at one with nature. You know, <laughs> I mean like you're talking about the mountains and the trees, and you'll feel you know it, it's it's and and then they what okay if there is such a verse that talks about going in peace. In Isaiah, what are you going away from? The tribe of Israel? No one right. does that. No one does that. <laughs> no one ever did that. Right. <laughs> I'm leaving. Goodbye, everybody.
everybody. Exactly. And they're like, okay, where are you going to go? <laughs> you know where to find us, I guess. In that case, <laughs> yeah, you will be back. Cause... <laughs> oh, you'll be back. We're literally the only people you know. Exactly. In this wilderness. Exactly. But like, if it gets to that point, if you were in a tribe... What is happening where you want to leave everybody and everything you've ever known? Right. Like, what has to be happening to you? Where, where do we see in the Bible, like, people running away? They were either running Exiled. from something. Right, right. Yeah. Or, or you're Hagar, right? And you're like, I'm tired yeah. of being a servant and being raped. And now I have, I'm carrying this man's child and his wife is being awful to me. Mm-hmm. I'm desperate. And I'm basically at this point knowing I'm going to die and I'd rather be dead than live here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's not even technically her tribe. Right. Right. Taken... Exactly. So it's like this, this doesn't happen, John, like mm-hmm. you in the whole book, he just lifts, lifts verses, lifts stories yeah, like out of their do. context and doesn't even place them firmly in whatever his context is. It's like he mm-hmm. leaves them hanging midair for you to conclude whatever he wants you to conclude. I'm like, these, these things come from real places, John. All yeah. of, they come from real places and you're dealing with real people and real lives mm-hmm. and you don't like that. No. Yeah, the, well, the well-being of these people, you do not want anybody's well-being to more, be more important than what they can do for you. Mm-hmm. As an employee. Yeah. As a volunteer. Yeah. Whew. So, yeah. So, we don't know what the reality is. <laughs> we don't know how to determine peace. I love how it's a fluff piece because it's it, everything is so vague. <laughs> you know? It's vague and it, and it constantly makes you... I mean, if I were reading this... 20 years ago, I'd be like, 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 as you pointed out, I was like, oh, did I feel peace? And I'd be tormented by that for years. Right. You know, and I'd, and I'd still be coming back to this book. Yeah. And then I'd make stuff up, you know, until, until I've made, you know, some sort of faux demon out of, you know, like, like some, there's a term in witchcraft called egregore. It's like something that you, it, it's a non-entity, but it's an, an ent, but the way it works as an entity is that you attach all of your feelings to it. All of your, it, it's kind of like Donald Trump, which is why the thing that I kept saying last year during when people were stressing out was like, just protect your energy. So I'm trying not to, you know, like, but like if I were reading this book 20 years ago, like all of my negativity, all of my fears would be tied in, would, 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 would form something and would torment me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even in this, I'm like, Oh, well he, he said, well, you can't leave unless you have peace. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, okay, well, I, I found peace from leaving. Like I am at peace now, but then I'm like, Oh, then he, that's why he brings in the story of Balaam because then then it's the inference that God can leave you, right? God can let you do what you want to do. Yeah. So now, yeah. Do you have peace? Oh, yeah. Has, you know, has God just let you do what you wanted to do? Yeah. And now you sink 
mm-hmm. you have peace. Gosh, yeah, there's that. And that's even more, that's even more horrifying. You know, the right. fact that God has left you. And you're God like, oh, no, you. what did I do? How can I get him back? Yeah. Oh, oh, let me tell you how. You got to go back because the way yeah. you left. You got to go back. Get that water thrown in your face and see, see how you do. This chapter is, it is awful. Yeah, it is awful. Which is shocking because <laughs> in the preface of his book, John Bouir says, the book you hold is quite possibly the most oh important gosh. confrontation with truth you'll encounter in your lifetime. And then later on, you know, this book is not a theory. It is God's word made so brazen like if we had a pope John would have been like excommunicate (laughs) immediately (laughs) like take away the imprimatur take away the like wow wow oh yeah and is is this that the quote like acquiring an offense keeps you from seeing your own character flaws because blame is deferred to another. Well, well. And yeah, and, and, and I thought that this was like a quote from a book at the bottom. As a couple, we held a lot of unforgiveness and hurts. I'm like, oh, these are like stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this, this book is one huge tabloid. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so funny for me because like these these chapters were just randomly assigned based on i need to read this much by here but it's been funny to see how they've just kind of matched up what are the chances that this little testimony is going to be from i i I appreciate you pointing that out i appreciate you pointing that out i'm more irish than most oh janice i love you for pointing that out wow yeah because that's the only one in the book i'm like what the only one is everything else not not everything else is from america i imagine except for this one except for that one (laughs) just for you this chapter had your name written all over. wow amazing this is amazing and and i mean the the testimonies yeah these are just tabloids so i mean it's ridiculous who writes somebody it's a couple we had a lot of unforgiveness and hurt for many years. We got to the stage where we had very few friends and I was feeling isolated and unloved, even though I was faithfully attending an excellent church. What? Then I read your book, The Bait of Satan, and everything changed. I came face to face with my offenses and forgiveness. And with I God's help, set free. I was set free. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, I wonder where these people are now, you know? Like, can we track them down? Like, I wonder, like, if they still think the same way or... Or are they entrenched in another church? Are they church leaders? Or are they just like you and me? You know? Have they finally seen the light and gotten out of this horror movie? You know? Right. Or did they ever even exist? Yes. Did he... Are these just cobbled cobbled together, edited? Because there's no... Again, there's no footnotes. There's no way... There's no way to fact check any of this. But... They work for the book, so let's throw it in there and <laughs> just believe me. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> just trust me. Trust me on oh this. Oh my god, people, people love this book. So, based on based on all that, based on your chapter, who who is this book for? Ha! Huh, who is this book for? It's it's 
be preaching to the choir. It's for people who actually it the book serves church leaders. So this is something that they throw around to people who are doubting, you know, this is something that they throw around to control people. So that's what this book serves and it serves to manipulate. So looking at this book from the perspective that everything is permissible, I cannot stop John Bevere from writing the book. I don't want to, he can do whatever he wants, but not everything is beneficial. So on a scale from one to 10, 10 beneficial for everyone. It's great. Buy it. Five. It's neutral. It's permissible sitting there. It's not doing anything to anybody down to one, not beneficial, harmful for everyone. Where would you put this book? And one. It is no bueno. No bueno. Not for anyone. Not even. No, no. Not even for John Bevere again. No. Bums me out. Yeah. He is sad and he makes me sad. <laughs> he does. He, yeah. I mean, he, no tears because he is a white man with no. money and power. He's fine. He's doing fine. But internally, oof. oof. Oh, no. Oof. Very troubled. It's a dark, dark place to be. All right. But so sad, sad JB. He took it upon himself. He's scoured the word and he decided that the bait of Satan, the issue God was concerned about, the thing that people needed to confront was offense, being offended. And my man's went around the world, wrote this book, has been platformed, is still being platformed with this message. So if you could choose an issue as the bait of Satan, go into the churches, write the books, make, make churches especially churches in America, but churches everywhere eventually confront an issue. What would you have as the bait of Satan? The mere fact that they constantly have to do a call for volunteers constantly. That's very telling. All right. So volunteerism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole thing about that, it's like, once you volunteer, they make you really feel important, you know, but that we all know you're not. So, right. Yeah. yeah it's very, very temporary kind of thing. Cause you're super important when you sign up and then to stay important, you know, you got to keep, keep turning up the volume, keep, keep lifting, lifting the level, mm -hmm. right? Next level, next level. Got to go next mm -hmm, level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So. We're not recommending the beta Satan. Take it off your bookshelf. Take it off. <laughs> burn it. Throw it away. And instead, what is something you would recommend? Um, I recently finished this book called A Moral Man by Derek Delgadio. If you've seen In and of Itself on Hulu, uh, he wrote a book that sort of accompanies it. Okay. And it's, um, it's an interesting, it, it offers an interesting way to read people. Also, like, there's there's also a lot of, like, like how you come upon your calling. Because he talks about how he comes, how he gets into, like, magic and, and you know, and, and car dealing in casinos. And how he puts, and how he takes, and he, how he takes that seriously. Like, yes, this is the thing I'm going to do in my life. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, there's that, if you're into that. Nice. Yeah, A Moral, A Moral Man by Derek Delgadio. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thank you for being part of the first Bad Book Club. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, I've been having yeah. a great time with this awful book. <laughs> best way, best way to read it, hands down. Yep. Would suggest only, only a chapter, and then, <laughs> and then talk about it with somebody, and then throw the book away forever. Yes. Tear it page by page and burn it. That would be amazing. That would right. Feel so good. Yes. Oh. So before I let you go, any any final thoughts, anything you want to say that you didn't get to say or party Actually, shots? so the chapter the chapter is about um what, what, see I I have to I have to look at it because it just doesn't make sense. What what is it called again? Like reality hiding hiding, hiding from. from reality. I think I think the chapter is hiding the reality Ooh. basically because it doesn't want it like it doesn't want you to see what's really going on kind of like kind of like the whole wizard of oz thing like there's somebody else in control and and the veil gets pulled you know i think um i think people who are still in it they're still i don't want to say that they're in denial but like just wake up from this reality and you know take the take the right pill i don't know remember which one it is for the matrix but yeah this whole thing is hiding the reality instead of instead of defining what it is because everything is so vague in this chapter. Right. And if and if you feel like, if you find yourself questioning, like what you said, like, am I, did I really feel, pe- feel peace? You know, that in itself is like, well, that's a red flag. Then that means, you know, take a break and then don't come back. Because <laughs> I, ra- I ran into someone right before COVID and I was like, and, and you know, you see someone at church so, so many times, you hardly get to see them. Hey, did you? Like, hey, I know, yeah, I know you. And so, do you still go? Like I'm, I'm, I'm now like not afraid of asking that question. So do you still go? And then they go like, no. Oh, great. So what happened? She goes like, well, I decided to take a break from a Sunday, from one Sunday. And then I decided to take another Sunday. I was like, oh, then you got over it. Yes. I same. Yeah. (laughs) And it's simple. It's just so simple. It's just as simple as just taking one Sunday and then you decide, oh, another one is, another one's not a bad idea. Yeah. Just before, just before COVID. I can't remember if I read it somewhere or heard it on a podcast, but someone just kind of suggested, why not, why not just take like a gap year from church? Like everybody just, just take a gap year. I don't know. See what that feels like. And if you want to go back, fine. But if you don't think about that. Yeah. You know, I think people go to church because they feel like they need to go to church. Like I have to, like, this is one of the rules, right? And if this is one of the rules, I have to be in church. So yes, this one is bad, but I have to be in a church. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if that one is equally as bad, maybe they're just all bad and it's on me to fix it because I have to go to church. But once you get to that point where you're like, oh, actually, I don't, this isn't one of the rules. This yeah. is not, you don't have to go to church. You can want better things. You mm-hmm. can start your own church. You can be the church. Yes! You are the church. Yes, you are you take that with you wherever you go so you don't have to subject yourself to somebody else's bad behavior no for god's sake Mm -hmm. amen and you'll be fine you'll be fine and in closing jesus desires to heal our wounds but we often do not let him heal them because it's not the easiest road to take it is the path of humility and self-denial that leads to healing and spiritual maturity 
It is the decision to make another's well-being more important than your own, even when that person has brought you great sorrow. Pride cannot travel this path, but only those who desire peace at the risk of rejection. It is a trail that leads to humiliation and abasement. It is the road that leads to life. What the fuck? That was my closing note on the closing lines of this chapter. This stupid, stupid chapter. This stupid chapter. Y'all, this chapter is so stupid. It's just stupid. It's a waste of everything. Of time, of words, of paper, of everything and anything that has ever come in contact with it. So, let's get into the stats. The stupid, stupid stats. This chapter is eight pages long. The word offended is used three times. The word offense is used eight times. The words offensive and offend, as per use, are used zero times. But in a special surprise, we do get one use of the word offender. But of course, the acknowledgement that there are people causing offenses comes at a high price. It comes in this doozy of a paragraph. A common excuse for self-preservation through disobedience is offense. There is a false sense of self-protection in harboring an offense. It keeps you from seeing your own character flaws because the blame is deferred to another. You never have to face your role, your immaturity, or your sin because you only see the faults of the offender. Therefore, God's attempt to develop character in you by this opposition is now abandoned. The offended person will avoid the source of the offense and eventually flee, becoming a spiritual vagabond. So much bad theology so little time and there's so much I could say about how bad all of that is but if your God needs offenders and opposition to develop character in you your God is not good you're telling me the all-powerful God who dreamed up the entire world can't figure out a better way to develop people I've said it before and I'm sure I'll say it a thousand times more John Bevere bums me out his worldview, his view of God, they are so dark. And sometimes I feel bad for him as a sad, damaged person. But at the same time, I am so mad at him as a sad, damaging person because this whole chapter is just manipulative gaslighting. He says that people are not allowed to leave bad churches without peace and that they're not allowed to practice self-preservation while they're waiting for peace. Because in trying to protect yourself from an offender, you're blocking what God is trying to do through that offender. And that is so dangerous so damaging so damn stupid it's stupid but i bet he feels so clever because he brings his bullshit full semi half circle by ending that stupid paragraph with a callback to the last chapter if you leave to avoid the source of offense you'll become a spiritual vagabond and honestly kudos to john for remembering something from a previous chapter maybe that's how the book will work from now on like maybe chapter seven will say something about hiding from reality because something i found hilarious in this chapter called hiding from reality is that the words hiding and reality do not appear not in any form not hiding not hide not hidden not hid i truly truly think this whole chapter is an editing mistake i think the name of the chapter and that first scripture reference just ended up at the top of the page and nobody checked his work this book is trash nobody with any kind of objectivity had a hand in this as evidenced by his fancy footwork as far as footnotes i feel like i had to provide better bibliography for my papers in high school this is a whole ass book putting forth a whole ass damaging theology and there is nothing to back it up to be fair and factual and very unlike John Bevere, let me come correct and correct myself. I said the book has 14 footnotes. That was incorrect. I was wrong. It has 17. And this chapter actually has the most references. It has four. The footnote for the statistic he got from the Rockford Institute, again, no year, no clarification as to where that statistic was found in the Rockford Institute. Was it a research paper, a magazine article, written on a wall in the bathroom stall? There's no way to know. 
And the other three footnotes from this chapter all have to do with his use of those Greek words. And they come from commentaries in the Vines Expository Dictionary. Not the Vines Dictionary definition, but a commentary. And no shade to commentaries, because guess what? This podcast is a commentary. Commentary is great. And the fact that John Bevere is using it to build his whack-ass theology is great news. Because guess what? You can build a theology too. Or just feel free to completely ignore this one. Feel free to ignore everything John Bevere has to say. Because nothing he has to say is any more profound or insightful or important than anything you yourself can hear from God or read in a commentary or hear on a podcast. And so John introduced the idea of peace in this chapter and again, did not define it, so I will. The dictionary definition is tranquility, freedom from disturbance. And this chapter has 14 scripture references, including that verse from Isaiah that says, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And I think offended people, people who are being offended by offenders, should take that verse to heart according to the definition of peace and not John Bevere's bad, bad commentary on it. My grandma used to say, follow peace. And it was this idea of peace, not as a feeling, but as a state of being. Either someplace is peaceful or it's not. And there are a lot of conversations to be had about the reality of peace versus the appearance of it, right? A lot of people get uncomfortable with protests. They try to make peace and protest opposites. But protest is all about getting to peace, about getting to freedom from disturbance. And John Bevere over and over again in this book treats his experience as the default experience, which is a very white man thing to do. He thinks if he's at peace, then everybody else should be because all is well. But that is not how the world works and we all like my granny used to say should follow peace not John Bevere's peace yours you should go out with joy and be led forth with freedom from disturbance John has made it all about a feeling. You feel peace before you can live in it, but that abusive theology is why so many people are okay with abusive church spaces. Too many people have learned to be numb to all the disturbance, but that's not healthy. And it's not right. And never forget, John Bevere does not care about your well-being. So words I would replace offended with in this chapter are assertive, peacemaking, and healthy. John Bevere does not like a healthy, assertive person, and especially not one that has left an unhealthy place before. When I was growing up, we went to church every New Year's Eve. And my pastor back then would say, the way you start the new year will determine how you finish it. And even as a kid, as a youth, I remember thinking that didn't make sense because if everybody's year was set by where they started it, then nothing would ever change. I right now would be getting ready to head back to Cali to be in church on New Year's Eve. The idea that the way we do something once sets up an infinite loop of how we'll do that thing forever is just not true. Do we sometimes have unhealthy relationship patterns? Absolutely. But getting better at being abused is nothing to aspire to. And evangelicalism is sick. It's sick. And it wants you to believe, John Bevere wants you to believe that wherever you go, there you are. And so you ending up in abusive spaces is a reflection on you, but it's not. Wherever you go in evangelicalism, there evangelicalism is, with all of its racism, misogyny, queerphobia, financial misconduct, sexual misconduct, abuse of power, all very disturbing things. So I'm worried, we should all be worried about and very wary of the people who are at peace with that. Those weasses of bitch asses like John Bevere. So, 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening to this episode than I did reading that chapter. This book is playing an infinite game of hide-and-seek with reality and hands out nothing but L's to everyone who reads it. If you are enjoying this podcast, please remember that sharing is caring. Tell your friends and leave us a review on Apple. And remember to show love to my guests. Hit the show notes for all the info on where and how to find, follow, and support them. And to check out the links for better things than the bait of Satan. Feel free to hit me via email, my DMs, or the comment section on Instagram if you have any thoughts, questions, comments. And that's it for now. I am Janice Legata, and this has been another episode of Bad Words. But here are some good ones. From Michaela Cole's 2021 Emmy speech for her win for Outstanding Writing in a Limited or Anthology series. I just wrote a little something for writers, really. Write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that is uncomfortable. I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible, for visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success, do not be afraid to disappear from it, from us, for a while, and see what comes to you in the silence.